Welcome one, welcome all to the Xbox Expansion Pass. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. Big thank you and shout out to Adam Leonard for that incredible opening music. If they're going to start a podcast, man, I'll tell you what, having a great intro is the way to do it. So thank you, Adam, for that. Ladies and gents, it is on the Expansion Pass that you will hear all things in gaming discussed as they pertain to the Microsoft and Xbox ecosystem. PlayStation now getting new titles or, or changing its policies. How does that impact Game Pass and the ecosystem of Xbox gamers? Ori hitting Switch? What does that mean for Microsoft exclusives? It is here on the Xbox Expansion Pass that I'll talk about those very things. As the show gets rolling, and, and as my schedule and the schedule of others allows, you can expect interviews in the back half of the show from journalists, publishers, and developers from throughout the industry, large and small. Got quite a few lined up, and I'm looking forward to them uh, making their appearance when the time is right. Well, this week, uh, because it is episode one, I think it's right that we just jump right in. It's something I've been tracking for a bit, is Marvel's Avengers, the game. Mind you, the Square Enix title, Crystal Dynamics, this game to me, uh, I have so many questions about it. It was revealed just now in a 4K video montage, uh, a number of new costumes and alternative outfits that we'll see the Avengers take on. Uh, we know that Cap will be dead, but he'll be playable. That raises a number of eyebrows. And Miss Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel herself, will be one of the new playable characters. Man, I have a lot of questions about this game. Just what does it mean to be an Avenger in a Square Enix title? I wonder very much if this is going to be a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. When I'm playing Black Widow, will I be thinking to myself, I've done this before, but better as Laura Croft? When I throw Thor's hammer, will I be thinking to myself, man, the Leviathan Axe was cooler in God of War? When I fly around as Iron Man, have I done that better in other games? And that is the onus and the question that I think uh, Crystal Dynamics has got to figure out ahead of this launch. They need to find a way to let gamers know what it is that their game is going to do in order to excel in that game space. Now, the Marvel license and playing as the Avengers is certainly going to take the game far. I know that I'm a day one person, uh, if only from morbid curiosity. I think I'm like that with a number of franchises. Star Wars, DC, Marvel, pretty much if it's, if it's a, a nerdy superhero, I'm in on day one regardless. But when you think about the Avengers, there's a ton of pressure that comes with that franchise. We have seen these heroes, heroes uh, done well in some games and done very poorly in others. We've also seen Marvel games uh, take their standards to new heights in Ultimate Alliance 3 and in Spider-Man PS4. Treat their properties with respect, do your own thing, make it unique, and make it special for gamers to play. Ultimate Alliance brought variety, it brought color, it brought brightness, and Spider-Man PS4 brought its own charm. What does that mean for this upcoming Avengers title? Now, theoretically, on the Xbox platform, you should get the best-looking game uh, on the X version. You have to wonder also if it's going to be spec'd to transition into Scarlet, into PS5, which we know are to be monsters and powerhouses uh, in the graphical sphere. But it can't just bring graphics. It has to bring gameplay. It can't just bring gameplay. It's got to bring a sense of community that the Avengers have. When you watch an Avengers movie, every single one of them has a revolving shot where you see the entire team at once. How do you capture that in the gaming sphere and still tell a narrative? It looks to me like when I watch this game, I'm going to be playing this by myself, 
solo so that I can get the story, have my story, have my version of those Avengers. And then if I want to, I can branch out and play with others. And I'm curious how alternate skins or outfits really play into that. I... I know they're going to have their own story to tell me, and I want them to be free to tell that story, but I also don't want to look like a jerk or a silly version of Cap. I don't want to look like Professor Hulk. I want to look like Super Tough Guy Hulk. I want to be in a super cool Iron Man suit, not some clunky, weird one uh, based on narrative. And so I wonder how they play all those in. I mean, are they going to go the, the easy multiverse route? I don't know. Maybe they'll throw caution to the wind, and they'll just say, all right, this is our story. Once you're done, you can put wear whatever outfit you want. I'm cool with that. Arkham did that. Arkham Knight was awesome for that. I mean, I would ride around in the Tumblr from, from the Dark Knight and wear the suit from uh, Batman v Superman or, or the Dark Knight, really. I, I wore the Dark Knight suit a lot, and that was cool. And I love that. I love that. Tell your story and then ha- give gamers the option to play as others. Oh, man, a lot of questions. A lot of questions surrounding, surrounding Marvel Avengers. To be blunt, I, I just hope the narrative is good. Narrative is something I find to be very important in games, and that's a, a question... That I find myself asking uh, about a number of titles that are coming up. Jedi Fallen Order. Man, after playing Control, and Control being as cool and, and as sleek and neat as it was, as immersive as it was, to, to walk around in Control and have what are essentially Jedi powers and that telekinesis and hurl objects, I want to feel super powerful as a Jedi. And it doesn't look like that's what Fallen Order is, mind you. You know, I think a lot of people uh, were hoping for or are expecting the Force Unleashed Three, and they're not going to be getting it, it seems. Respawn's never made a bad game, but I do have a lot of questions about Fallen Order because every time I see this game, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to see. Am I supposed to see Dark Souls? Am I supposed to see a Metroidvania? The game looks great. I can't say I love... I, I don't dig the main character. I know he played Joker in Gotham, and, he, and side note, he's very, very good in that role. But I just don't know that I'm sold on it. He looks too boyish. I want to be powerful, uh, not necessarily weak, but... That might be the narrative crux. And after playing narrative titles recently, I, I do want to see Fallen Order do something special. I want to see them them really make us feel like we are in that new Star Wars universe. Uh, my hope is that we are we we play Fallen Order, we we play through its narrative, we have a good time with it, we feel like a Jedi by the end of it, and then there are gameplay expansions that allow you you to continue to feel like a Jedi. Without the with the exception of Fallen Order. And the Lego Star Wars game, there's not a lot of new stuff in the Star Wars verse that is coming. To our knowledge, we don't necessarily see uh, a new Rogue Squadron game or a Force Unleashed 3 or something to continue playing in the Star Wars universe. And given Rise of Skywalker and a lot of the Disney Plus stuff, I want more reasons to, to be in that world. Whether I'm a Jedi, a scoundrel, a smuggler, I want to do it and I want to do it on console with a controller in my hand, not necessarily via PC. And I, I don't know. I'm curious. Respawn, again, they've never made a bad game. There's a lot to look forward to with that title. And I'm curious to see what direction they plan on building their future and how enclosed that experience is going to be. Now, I'm curious as well because it is October. It is the season of the spooky games. Uh, if you have not done yourself the service of checking out Blair Witch, I really think you guys should. Games on Game Pass, and that's where I played it, and uh, it's about a five to six hour experience for one playthrough. My intent was to play it, uh, enjoy it on stream with some people, and and put it down and then come back and do a couple streams with it. And what happened uh, quite by accident was I was having so much fun with Blair Witch that I streamed it start to finish. 
The narrative was great. Now, I am not a Blair Witch fan. I don't actually enjoy horror movies. I like horror games because I have some semblance of control. I totally dig spooky as, a, as an atmosphere. But being actually scared, not something I do overly well. Blair Witch was special for me. It immersed me into the world. Uh, and it, it allowed me to be a fan of Blair Witch when I'd never seen the movies and, and didn't really know their premise beyond that of, um, you, you know, first person, you're in there with a camera and you're going to be scared in the woods. The game messes with you. It's very atmospheric. It really does a great job, I think, as many horror games do, in limiting what you can do as a player. You don't really combat enemies. The closest you come is are a few brief segments uh, where you shine lights onto monsters, and you really can't see them, a la Alan Wake. You know, you hit them with some light and they disappear. But the threat is always there. You're always in for a, a, a moment of being scared. But what I really appreciate about Blair Witch that you get out of, I think, the best horror games and that cheap and cheesy horror games waste quickly are, are jump scares. In Blair Witch, you, you do get jump scared here and there, but they do a good job of building tension and making you feel nervous scared and frustrated at various times but they don't take advantage of your vulnerability to jump scare you a lot they don't startle you there's a big difference between being scared and being startled and Blair Witch does a great job at building you up music will build atmosphere will build you'll you'll accomplish certain objectives and know that something should be coming and then it's left to pass and then you have that moment and you just move right on. And I really appreciated that about world building and level design in a horror title. Played Emily Wants to Play, and that game is built upon jump scares, Five Nights at Freddy's style. And that's fun for 15, 20 minutes, and then you realize you're just being startled and not, uh, not immersed into the world. And it's, it's immersion in a world that allows you to really appreciate a game for its narrative quality, for its gameplay and design aesthetics. And Blair Witch did a good job of that. Blair Witch did a great job of that. And I, I, I want to keep on this, this spooky theme here because I'm anxious to check out the Ghostbusters Remastered because that's kind of the other end of the spooky games thing because you know you're not going to be scared when you play a Ghostbusters game. You get a third-person game. I mean, Ghostbusters, if you played it back in the day, it was a seven, and I love sevens. I enjoy it. Play a game that, that makes you have fun and, and be a Ghostbuster. Have a good time with it. Don't expect it to, to be a 10 and, and shatter records. But I kind of like that, that ghosty, spooky aesthetic, celebrating it in this time of year, fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice, and who can be really be mad at that? Pumpkin spice is great. It's for everybody, and if you don't like it, you're a monster. Simple as that. And Ghostbusters is the pumpkin spice of my life. Not really. We'll see. I'm I'm anxious to check it out. We'll see if it's any good. Uh, remasters like this can be can be incredible, or they can be real duds. And I'm thinking about Ultimate Alliance one and two. That was a, a bad remaster of a package. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. But all in all, uh, if you've got a favorite spooky game that you think I should be checking out, either to stream or just for my own personal enjoyment, let me know. I mean, Resident Evil's four, seven. Revelations, those are all fun games. Yeah, yeah, 4, 7, and Revelations. Those are all great. Those are all great. First one does not age well. Don't care what you say. Can't sell me on it. You can't sell me on it. Uh, I'll tell you another thing that you, or rather, you can't sell me on, or maybe I shouldn't try and sell you, I, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It's time to transition here. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Oh, boy, where to start. Now, you'll get some Ghost Recon purists whenever you bring up uh, a game like this because Ghost Recon has a storied history. It was fantastic. It was tactical. It was smart. It was linear. Um, and when it came to Wildlands, they really opened it up. 
And Wildlands was one of the best-selling games of 2017. I absolutely loved it myself. Uh, I, there are a couple things I would have liked to change in it. But all in all, I was a big fan of Wildlands. And I was greatly looking forward to Breakpoint. And thus far, my time in Breakpoint has been nothing short of disappointing. Uh, I, I've jumped into it. And when the game lets you play, it's great. It's fun. You're playing uh, Wildlands 2 in, in many respects. However, with that comes the extreme caveat that you are going to be playing the Division 0.5 or 1.5. The game is riddled with menu after menu after menu, giving you stats and directions uh, that are not at all in the spirit of what Ghost Recon once was and still break the immersion and spirit of what Wildlands uh, was just a few years prior. The game seems to be bogged down by an attempt to bring out the Division uh, or, or the, the Division's more stat-based tracking systems, and it really hurts the Ghost Recon experience. Now, I'm a big fan of The Division 2. I really did enjoy my time with The Division. Played it with uh, Sean Capri over in the Xbox Drive, had a good time with it, played it with uh, a number of different people throughout our community, and it was a good game, a great game, a great third-person MMO light shooter. And the problem is that Ghost Recon Breakpoint tries to do just that. It breaks away from its roots so far that the open world and the extreme amount of menus uh, disrupt the immersion. I'm in what is supposed to be a very serious cutscene in which my soldier is reflecting on the fact that he and his comrades have been shot down on an enemy island and they're being hunted by one of their own uh, from another life. They've been betrayed and dude bro 4269 is walking behind me in the middle of a cutscene. Or in order to get to one of these very poorly displayed cutscenes, uh, I'm having to walk by super cool Takashi 69 snitching on me. And that's not fair. That's not fun. This game could easily have been uh, a single-player experience without a hub, without raiding, without a, a world where I'm forced to or strongly encouraged to invite players in. And that's real frustrating. That's really frustrating because John Bernthal does a great job in his parts of, of, of Breakpoint. It is really great to see an actor of his quality in this title. And yet I feel it's squandered and wasted because getting to them, you're bogged down with a number of different menu options, bad sound design, bad level design. Graphics are inconsistent throughout. There are some models that look incredible and you're like, man, this is one of the best things I've ever seen on an Xbox One X. And other times where you're wondering if you're looking at an Xbox 360 or PS3 title. And that's frustrating because Wildlands was a looker at the time. I mean, it put my Xbox One X through its paces. And Breakpoint, it feels like it needs more time in the oven. And in many ways, it reminds me of, of Suicide Squad, the movie, in which you can tell they had some good core ideas. They had some great characters or great pieces to work with. And it was like the studio just kept dropping in and saying, hey, don't forget to add this thing. Don't forget to add that thing. Hey, this worked over here. You should do it over there. And that's a real frustrating thing to see. Uh, Breakpoint is not a game I would recommend in its current state. Now, I will tell you also, Wildlands launched in a state that people were not happy with, and it, it went through a number of different patches and expansions, and the end product was fantastic, and people loved it. And I wonder if Breakpoint could go through that. However, I feel like they've dropped so many different multiplayer designs in there that it just doesn't feel like the tactical shooter I wish it was. Maybe that's just me. I, I often think that wide linear levels are the way to go to allow versatility and gameplay option, but still drive the player in certain directions for certain objectives. An open world doesn't need to be everywhere, and it feels like the Ubisoft formula just 
it, it just collapsed in on itself in this game. Love Far Cry. Love Assassin's Creed. And one of my favorite things to do in video games is to go and clear out bases and objectives, and that's what I was looking forward to. The problem is all the stuff in between in Breakpoint, it just gets in the way. So for as it stands, I don't recommend Breakpoint to anybody. The game looks ugly. It plays poorly. Uh, it is not the experience I want it to be. But uh, again, I, I want them to go back to that wide linear. Play that Metro Exodus. Play Gears of War 5. Play The Last of Us. Those wide linear levels where you got a lot of options to play the way you want to play, but they still kind of drive you towards an objective, that's the way to do it. That's what I'd like to see. Here's hoping, man. Here's hoping, for sure. You never know. One of the other uh, news stories that caught my, my eye recently had to do with Mario Maker 2 over on the Switch, and it's the recent addition of friend matchmaking has really improved the Mario Maker 2 experience. And it makes me think even more. When I look at the Xbox ecosystem, UGC, or user-generated content, uh, really doesn't feel like a, a focal point of discussion for Xbox Game Studios. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you look at a number of different uh, Microsoft titles, they include a lot of user-generated content. Halo's Forge being being something that kind of jumps right into my mind. Uh, and then Gears of War has escape maps that people can create their own escape challenge maps. Those are fantastic, but they're almost hidden away behind the game's many other modes. And I wonder if Microsoft has the caliber titles to go with something that is more largely user-generated. You know, you look at PS4, they have Dreams. Uh, Nintendo, in a very Nintendo way, has Mario Maker 2. And I think to myself, man, Project Spark was supposed to be that many years ago. Probably better that it's not here, let's be honest. Um, but do we have race designs in Forza Horizon 4? Is that a focal point? If they exist, I, I don't know about them. And I have played all of Forza Horizon 4 in both expansions. But creating your own races um, as, as a focal point of a game... You know, maybe its own branched off piece. Having your own fighter trees with different uh, different abilities or rather different limiters or modifiers in Killer Instinct. Think about the challenge trees that occur in Injustice or in Mortal Kombat. If players could create their own challenge trees in a fighting game on a Microsoft property, that would be fantastic. I would love to see user-generated content become more of a focus within Xbox Game Studios. Uh, allowing people to take advantage of some of the more complex complex systems that are at play. State of Decay 2 is a game with 5 million players, but it's not talked about very often. That's a game that has a huge install base thanks to Game Pass and its own sales, but nobody really talks about it. Should we be making, making our own narratives, creating more, more embedded content for other players to take advantage of? I don't have the answers to that. I, I really don't. I know they've got the infrastructure to do it. A lot of Microsoft's games are built with multiplayer in mind, either PvE or PvP. And it would seem to to reason that if you've got infrastructures like that in place, why not bring that to, to the more of the forefront or find a way to shed light onto Halo's Forge or Gears Escape Maps or custom maps in Forza and so on. It just makes me wonder. It just really makes me wonder because you see people... They go they go on to Twitch and they go on to Mixer and they stream other people's levels in Mario Maker. They're checking out other people's games in the Dream Beta. And you got to wonder, you know, are, are people doing that for escape maps and gears? Are they jumping in and having Forge days in Halo? I wonder if Halo Infinite brings that to light. Are they going to, what about an expansion of Forza that's free to play for everybody and it's all user-generated content? Bringing people into that world might be something that's worthwhile or something that Xbox Game Studios should look into. 
Not an answer I have, but I do welcome your thoughts on it. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm looking at the future landscape of a bunch of the Xbox titles coming out, or rather titles coming out on your Xbox One and future, and nothing really jumping out at me beyond Jedi Fallen Order, Doom Eternal, Modern Warfare, Need for Speed, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, The Outer Worlds. Man, I will tell you what, it is so cool to see this generation as it winds down Games are hitting fast and furious throughout. It seems like as soon as we hit control, we hit a pace of of high-quality games that at the very least give us talking points if we don't enjoy them, that we are at least able to talk about them and bring forth a conversation. The end of of a generation. There's so much to, to explore there. I mean, on the PlayStation side, you've got Last of Us 2. You've got Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, you've got... The the idea that PlayStation 5 and Scarlet are on the horizon, somewhere in their Switch is, is pushing Nintendo and Microsoft to do their thing. Stadia is coming about. xCloud is coming about. So many talking points makes this a wonderful time to examine the different business strategies of Nintendo, of Microsoft, of Sony, of Google now, and what, the, what it is they're going to be doing. And I can't help but think it is a great time for gamers to take advantage of trying out different services and deciding what's best for them. And allowing yourself to enjoy it without vilifying others. It is because of Game Pass that PlayStation Now is what it is at the moment. And that is a good thing. PlayStation Now is a fantastic service. And it exists because of Game Pass. And Game Pass exists because Microsoft was forced to adjust their strategy this generation and to extract profit percentage out of a much smaller install base. And they are now doing just that. They've got a higher percentage of people engaged in their platform than they otherwise would have. And that's fantastic. I'm greatly looking forward to Scarlet. I'm greatly looking forward to uh, what's going to happen in the ecosystem. And, and then in a much more selfish way, I'm greatly looking forward to seeing how Xbox Expansion Pass, this show, this new show, grows and expands with you. This is the basic formula is open to interpretation, open to discussion and to criticism. So I welcome anyone writing in questions, uh, advice for the show as it uh, as it continues to grow and as I continue to get better with it. There are interviews lined up with people throughout the industry that I'm looking forward to bringing to you and to bringing to your ears. But ultimately, I want to say thank you. Thank you for, for stepping in here, uh, choosing to download, choosing to go on this journey with me, helping me to get better along the way. Uh, and I hope it's a, it's a long and enjoyable ride for all of us. Uh, I must give special mention to uh, a couple people. Thank you, Adam Leonard, for some incredible opening music. Uh, that, that music, that bumper music, uh, it really showed me how much you cared and how much you were invested into the project, and it means the world when that happens. Thank you also for your art. It is your art that uh, is accompanying this show on its various platforms throughout uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. And thank you to Antonio Guillen as well for a number of different consultations and reworking the overlays so that I can stream over on Mixer with with more updated and appropriate overlays. Uh, Guys, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, at InsipidGhost. Let me know what you think. Give me your feedback. Uh, check me out over on Mixer at Mixer.com slash, slash InsipidGhost. And this should hopefully be the first of many a journey to go on together. That's it for me. Take care, everybody.